Welcome to the Fish Cast. My name is Corey Long, joined as always by Charles Fishbine. How you doing, Fish? I'm doing good. The re- for those listeners that can't see my background, uh, there's a dead horse. We got beat like that today in our baseball game, and honestly, I on a, it was like a football score. We got pounded, and uh, it was a rough day. I'm not going to name the score, but it was a nine o'clock game, and our team definitely laid down like a dead horse and took it really bad. So uh, it was a luckily they play on Monday. <laughs> Yeah, was this the team that you've been having problems with? Is this the uh, one? Th- team this that- is a one team that you know. I I put you know I strategized. I had all these plans, um, and then two of the kids that I had in the plans decided not to show up this morning. One of the dads called me like ten minutes before the game and told me, and um, they just. What's crazy is they have this one pitcher the other team. I think the kid throws like seventy. I'm not joking, and. Um, he, he's a travel ball player and they decided to start him against us. It was for first place, the game, and they haven't started this kid all year. They started him. And I think he struck out. I, he, the only one that didn't strike out was Ethan. I think he had like 13 strikeouts pitched a no hitter. I mean, I don't think anybody on our team uh, is, really is he, ever. Is he, is he from, is he from Taiwan? No. I mean, is he, he part of like he, Chinese I, type? No, nah, I think, I think he's like Dominican or something. The kid has a freaking. Oh, rifle. so he's one. He's like the what was that guy's what was that kid's name? Danny what was like Danny Yeah, that's something? that's that's what this kid's yeah. like. He just throws fastballs. Like Seventeen and, in and, little and, league. And Corey, I'm not one to ever complain about umps, but man, when I tell you we didn't get one call, like there was a kid that on first base that was off the base, and and the and the runner was safe by like a mile, and I just was like, I turned it up. I'm like, really, you're not going to even give us this call. And he goes, he goes, what? You he goes, you can appeal it. I go, appeal it for what? We're already down by like, <laughs> I mean, one more run ain't gonna matter. I ain't appealing it. I'm just saying, like, give us one. I'm not like I said that even the parents were coming up going to me, man. We didn't get one strike call. My son was complaining. I'm like, listen, you know what? You get your butts whipped, t- just take it. But I mean, I was laughing at that in the game. When I when I walked up to shake everybody's hands, I'm like, man, I, I go, hopefully we get a couple calls on Monday. I mean, this is we play the commissioner's team on Monday, and this guy was the guy that runs this team is on the board at the park. So I get the two guys that uh, basically run the whole league. <laughs> so. well, oh yeah. I remember coaching youth football <laughs> and like we faced the uh we had a really good team. We had uh our team was the Falcons, and we had like we had like the Boatwright brothers, Johnny Mack, who played at Lakeland Ice, who's really good and won a state title. They're like, we had, we were loaded. And we would play, like, you know, we kill every other team. And then we played the Packers, who were the commissioner's team. His kid was on it. And then all the other, like, board of directors were like assistant coaches. So we got, like, we literally got, I'm not, I BS you not, we had 23 penalties in the first half. And I pulled my team off the field. I said, we aren't going to play anymore if this is how we're going to get called. I literally, I literally stopped the game with 20 minutes left. And I said, all right, guys, enough's enough. We're not coming back. Hey, the game's over. I, I've never done that. I did it with like 20 minutes left. I just said, all right, I'm not, I'm not sending my team out there to take this. I, literally, listen. When the game gets out of hand and the and uh, and you're pitching, you you're sending out pitchers that you know you never pitched before. You're giving them trying to give them confidence, and the ball's around the plate, and they're still not giving you strikes. It's like, all right, not only is it not our day, I'm not going to deal with this. And that's that's what happened. I just I was like, all right, the game's out. It's we're not going to get two more at bats, so there's really no reason. And we have another game Monday. I was like, all right. I don't want these kids worn out. Let's let's just go. I mean, we played Thursday night. They put us on a third. The team we played played on a monday and he gave us thursday saturday and monday this like come on three games in four or five days six days and this these guys have one game the whole week you know so i mean they are still kids you know so it's just uh yeah. it is what it is i was like it is what it is I, and so. in hindsight i don't even know if i, I mean i ever taken my team off oh, of this first, and I, I don't know if that was the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do but it was like i'm like we we have almost 25 penalties and a half like we never got penalties called against us. That was the thing. We were like, I would, you know, it was a big thing. Like, don't do anything after the play. Clap, walk to the huddle. 
And like they were calling, they were calling just things that didn't exist. And I'm like, you know what? it got to the point today though, like kids on our team were talking back to me. And I'm like, all right, yeah. we're getting beat too bad. I don't want to say and something. That, that that, what that's happened. what happened is the kids started to get frustrated yeah. and angry. And I'm like, all right, let me just the cut this were, thing, cut this like, thing short now because I don't want to say something, you know, being angry at the ref to them. And then the parents come up to me and I'm like, wait a sec, you know, you don't want it to get out. I it just was like, all right. We'll live to another day. We'll play them again. Yeah. The coach came up to me. He's like, hey, you know, I was sorry. I was still running when we were up, you know, uh, by so many runs. I go, don't worry. You guys will be on that other end of this when we play you in the finals. And he said, what? I go, yeah, don't worry about it. Things come around. And I walked away. You know, I'm like, hey, it, it works both ways. You know, you want to yeah. run it up? We'll run it up on you if we get the chance. I don't, it's, it is what it is. But hey, man, we, we, I think this is going to be a great show because, we, we watched a lot of um, college football spring games, and I'm ready to go, man. I, I, I think uh, that's what the fans came here to listen to today, not uh, us, you know, me beating let's a dead horse. Our, yeah, let us talk about our youth uh, youth sports coaching expos. Oh, yeah, man. Our old, the old days. We had we're we're going to shoot it straight, um, though. Let's shoot it straight, all right? Absolutely. And uh, we'll, we can go with where you – I know you've seen – I watched a little bit of Clemson today. I watched a little bit of North Carolina a little bit of Florida State. I know you saw Missouri recently, and you really were impressed with Missouri set of receivers. Yeah, I mean, Missouri, you know, their head coach, I think, is a very good coach. I, You know, listen, he proved himself. He was at App State. Then he, then the guy goes to North Carolina State. They had, like, their best year offensively under him, and then he got the job at Missouri, and you've seen what he's doing. And just, you know, I just love the way they're able to get guys open. And it's not just not – they're not just running guys – down the route on nine routes. They're running guys across the field. They're running them across on crossing patterns. They they are opening up the offense where everybody has a chance to make a big play. And their guys are not only – they're not small, fast guys. These kids are all big kids that can run. And I just think, honestly, I, I, I would not be surprised, and I'll say this, Missouri may have one of the best group of receivers, not only in the SEC, but the country. I, I really, truly believe that. And people say, oh, how, go watch them in their spring game, Corey. And I'm telling you, there are not many teams that have kids that can run like that. And I think Missouri is going to be kind of a sleep. They're, they're a team in the East, I think, could kind of surprise because Florida's, you know, just hired a new coach. Tennessee's still on, you know, they're trying to get their footing. Kentucky is, is going to still be good, with, but they've lost a lot of guys. So I think Missouri could kind of be – a spoiler in that um, SEC East this year. And with that offense that they have, they're going to put up points. They're going to put yeah. up 40 and 50 points on teams. And I don't know what they are defensively, but offensively they got some dudes. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Missouri's been in that spot. I mean, they've made a couple of SEC championship games. They've had squads before. It's not – it's not. It's certainly not out of the realm of possibility that Missouri can't Especially, and then we haven't seen Georgia's game yet. Uh, I know you saw Ohio State, like a scrimmage of theirs, and you were very impressed. But, uh, yeah, but, I mean, in the SEC East, uh, I, I think, yeah, Missouri could be kind of an interesting team this year because I'm not I, – I, I mean, I think Georgia's still going to be great. Obviously, they've recruited so well for a number of years. But I still got Stetson Bennett at quarterback. And you saw them receivers – we're like, okay, we're not going to, we want a title. We're not going to sit around for another year having Stetson Bennett trying to throw us football. So, yeah, I mean, um, and, and, and you know as well, listen, the one thing that's always difficult to do is win back to back titles. It's just very difficult. Um, whether it's been the Miami team uh, that won in 2001, they had to come back and they played an Ohio State team. And yeah, they got a bad call, but they, that year, Miami played on the edge. They should have lost to Florida State. The game against Ohio State shouldn't even have gone in overtime. They just, it's hard to get guys. You saw it with the Florida State team in 2014. They probably had just as good or better team on paper than the team that won in 13. But it just, it's hard to get those guys because you have to put so much work for them to all buy in. And you win, you go through this whole experience together. And then you have to restart and recalibrate the following year. And you have a, a lot of new pieces and, and a lot of times guys, they, they, they don't want to put that extra ounce of work in on off the field during the off season. They're like, Oh, we're already there. Maybe we could just get away with just showing up. We're better than everybody. And you know how that is. You've seen it so many times 
where teams, I mean, other than Nebraska um, in 94 and 95, it's not often you see teams win back-to-back championships. I don't even think uh, Nick Saban's teams have done it a bunch of times. I, I think Bama, uh, Bama, that bitch Bama did it once. I guess they did it in, uh, what was it, 11 and 12 or 12 and 12. Right. Well, it's not an easy thing to do. Yeah, it's not an easy thing to do at all. I mean, it's yeah. a really, really hard thing to do. Um, yeah, so then I, that's I – like we said, we'll see Georgia and we'll – See, I mean, they still got some monsters. Let's not say Georgia ain't got oh, a no, team they, full of listen, Frankenstein monsters on there. They, they do. Listen, they, <laughs> they they, listen. I, like I said, when I looked at Ohio State scrimmage, I'm like, <laughs> if, if, if you looked really quickly and you're watching this thing inside their indoor, you're like, yeah, you, That's an NFL, like you think it's an NFL team. Yeah, you That's thought it was like the Cincinnati Bengals. I, I really thought they were just like the Bengals in practice uniforms, just run, their old line and their D line. You're like, wait a second. And I, I mean, they're just bit, they look different. Those teams that are in the top five, top 10, uh, we'll discuss it. You know, some of the, you know, spring games we saw today and what a difference it is uh, to see that elite level talent and then just good players. You know, a, a lot of these teams, what separates them is not a whole lot, but those teams like Georgia, Ohio state, Alabama, uh, I think Texas A&M starting to get to that level. They're recruiting those next tier kids, and they got so many of them, and they just roll them out one after another, and that's what makes those teams very difficult to beat. Yeah, right now I'm watching North Carolina State and Devin Leary. I think they just flash the numbers: sixteen to twenty-two, two hundred six, two touchdowns. I saw the interception through with a DB stepped in front and made a nice play. But that's a kid that you know he's third year in the system, and you and you could tell. He's a thirty-year guy now. They just—they—he looks different. There's a different level of confidence. There's no question about who controls the offense, and you know you see it out of some teams. Like he looks out there, he looks like a guy that is ready to roll. Yeah, I, it wouldn't be surprise me, and if they won the conference this year, I think it's wide open. I—I I wasn't. We're going to get into Clemson, NC State having that quarterback, and Leary's been a very good quarterback. He's a kid from New Jersey. They just hit on that kid. You know, this is, I'm not going to compare him to Phillip Rivers, but I'm just saying from a production standpoint, they've got one of the best returning quarterbacks in the ACC coming back. And if you watch them, and like you said, they threw for 200 and something yards. We're, we have a quarterback we're going to talk about on the back end here that everybody's like, oh, he's one of the best guys in the conference and he threw for 71 yards today. This kid's throwing, that's how, that's what you expect from a kid that's been on campus two or three years and is a good quarterback, put up big numbers in the spring game. And people could go, Oh, it's not that big of a deal. Listen, when you're good, you light your team up. I don't care how good you're on the other side. You saw it with Trevor Lawrence in the spring games. You saw it with Jameis when he was a freshman at Florida state, the guys that are really good, they don't, they're not seven of 13 for 71 yards and no touchdowns. That's the good ones. Don't do that in a spring game. I don't care what they don't do it in scrimmages. They don't do it in spring games. This kid's got, you know, a really good arm. He has good touch. He's got good anticipation. Um, they're going to be a tough team. I mean, NC state's going to be one of the teams that's going to compete for the ACC championship. I think they're kind of like Pittsburgh last year with, you know, Pickett. that they have that quarterback. They got a pretty good defense. They could score a lot of points. And when you have that quarterback, it changes everything. You could ask any coach. It's the one thing. That changes everything and makes it's a it's a great equalizer is when you have that ability to uh, win ball games with your quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Clemson. I saw quite a bit of the Clemson game, and the young kid. We kind of know we we have our feelings on DJ uh, Ugo Lalele um, ish, and uh, like I mean, I think he's got. I think he showed a lot more two seasons ago than he did last year. And I don't think it was all, you know, I don't think he had a great season by any stretch, but I also think there, there are some, there's some, there's some things that if he does them a little better, he'd be a much better player. Cause he's still got, you know, size, athleticism, but the kid behind him, Cole, Cole Klubinick, he looked, I mean, he looked like a player. He looked like that's going to be a force to be reckoned with. The, the one thing you want to see from young quarterbacks is that anticipation that they throw the ball before the receiver turns around or they, or they go into their routes. And he showed that today. Um, he doesn't have a great arm, but he's accurate when he has time. I don't think he's 
as mobile as DJ or uh, Deshaun or even Trevor. I mean, those guys were better athletes. But this kid's it, it, he's kind of like the Leary kid. You know, he has a he has the ability to push the ball down the field. He's accurate on those post corner routes. He could beat the uh, cover two schemes. He can beat. He can uh, throw the ball down the seam and get the ball to his tight ends. He's a very efficient quarterback, Kludnick. I don't think he's going to be this kid with the big time arm, but I think he's a better fit for what Clemson wants to do. I, the the sad thing with DJ is I think we both agree DJ has a ton of talent, but when he came out of high school, I'll never forget I was watching his film. And he either threw the ball down the field or took off and run. There was nothing in between. And you saw that he needed to be developed. He needed to develop his ability to throw short, throw long, be able to throw down the seam. Um, Even just little touch passes to the running back. He throws it over their head. He just, he's, he's been off. It's, I just, you know, I really think he's somebody that would benefit going to a program that, those coaches really develop quarterbacks. I'm not saying anything about Clemson, those guys, but they were, you don't have to develop Deshaun Watson. You don't have to develop Trevor Lawrence. This kid's like a bigger, taller version of Taj Boyd, but he's, and he's more talented, but he just hasn't developed. Like the, his skill set hasn't changed. Like he was better as a freshman than he is now. And that's yeah. just, that shouldn't happen. He should be a first round picker, the first pick in the draft with his physical talents. He looks like, Don, you said he looks like Dante Culpepper, yeah. but he's never developed like Dante did. Da, Dante, by the time he left UCF, was way more refined than this kid was. And know? I think the danger of that situation was that it felt like they could kind of just plug and play DJ and then now he's going to be the next guy. And, you know, and he, and he hasn't been. And, I, and, again, I don't necessarily think it's all his fault. I'm like you. I think he's a young quarterback that still needs to develop, needs to get things better. You know, he needed a – you know, he needed that – you know, that one spring that they missed because of COVID, that was a spring that he needed. He didn't get it. He needed that one spring behind Trevor Lawrence to probably know a little bit more than what he knows now. So, so you can see how little things that come down the road – and uh, and you know and, and you miss them because you weren't able to really experience them. Yeah, I, uh, I, I I look at DJ and maybe you agree with me. When you look at I compare it to that those guys that are shooters in the NBA. All right, that are great shooters. All right, and they can shoot from anywhere. But a lot of times when they lose that shot, all they need is a layup or a free throw, and then basically they see the ball go through the hoop. I just think if you took DJ and you ran him a little bit and you gave him some short passes, and you gave him some confidence early in games, and you got him into a rhythm, kind of like a shooter, he would develop more as a quarterback. It's like they're almost trying to make him something he's not. He's not going to be able to just sit back in the pocket and throw the ball like Trevor and Deshaun. That's just not his strength. And when you're forcing him to do something that he's not comfortable, that's why they look so clunky on offense. They just – you'll see spots like he – he had one throw today. He 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 rolled out to his right or left, and he threw an out route, and he threw it to the wide receiver. And the kid made a great pass uh, catch on the sideline. But there's only about three or four guys in college that can make that throw. I mean, he literally threaded between the wide receiver and the DB, and the guy it, it was on the sideline, and the DB couldn't make a play because it was such a great throw. But I just think some of that he needs to see his guys catch it. And just even if it's a five yard completion, just so he could get in a rhythm. And you never see that. They like just chuck the ball down the field. He has some incompletions. And then all of a sudden, he's all out of whack and he never gets it back. And I think that's just a not everybody is a polished quarterback that you know eventually they're going to get in a rhythm. Some guys you got to, you got to create plays for them to get in rhythm. And I think he's one of those guys. And I just, it, I he may be one of those guys that I, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw him in the portal after spring this spring game and they went with Klubnik. I, I really wouldn't be. I mean, you're already seeing his dad complain about them not recruiting his brother. You got to wonder if his days are numbered at Clemson. Yeah, wow. Well, I mean, that would you know it would surprise me that it happened that it would happen now. But yeah, I mean, I I I thought every time I thought I was like you know when I saw him I'm like why don't they run the ball a little bit more with them early? Because it seems like, you know, like you said, that 
some guys, you know, he needs that contact. He needs to get that feel of the game to really get going. And I felt like, you know, a big kid, he's 245, 250 pounds. You can run him a little bit. and Nobody's hurting his, him. Yeah, yeah, you can put his shoulder down and get you some yards. I mean, and, uh, yeah, I've always been – how Clemson has worked that out has been a little confusing to me. I, I will say that uh, the running game – Looks like it'll be looks like it'll be there again. Another young kid, a film afar, I think is out of Georgia. He looked really good. 225, 230 pound big back to go along with the backs that they have. Well, I mean, you know, they, they got can, Shipley coming back. Shipley, and, yeah, of course. Got, Bullship is very good. One thing I'm gonna tell you, that is gonna be a top ten defense. I I, I know that oh yeah, oh god. They are just flat out nasty up front. It's like th- their quarterbacks didn't even look like they were getting the ball from you know, the center back to snap. And it was like, they were calling a whistle, like almost every other play. I'm like, man, this D line is just nasty. And I know Clemson doesn't have a top five offensive line, but they've got some dudes up front. Like they got NFL guys, you know, they got guys that look like Ohio state that look like Clemson. I mean, Georgia and Alabama, they got some guys up front. I mean, the Murphy kid is, Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's a, <laughs> He's getting more than NIL money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we're going to uh, we're gonna, gonna jump real fast. We're going to come back to some comments dabble, man. I want to get your opinion on those in a little bit. Uh, I'm not sure. How much did you see the North Carolina game? No, I didn't get a chance to see the North Carolina game. I watched um, – I got a chance to – I told you I watched Missouri. I had a chance to watch some of BC. I thought, um, you know, BC – uh, you know, they got the quarterback coming in. The one team that honestly kind of surprised me was Georgia Tech. Uh, they brought in Chip Long this offseason, who Chip had a lot of success at Notre Dame under uh, Brian Kelly. And then he got kind of lost there. I don't I don't know if he went – I don't know where he went after Notre Dame, but now he's at um, Georgia Tech. And I think Georgia Tech's going to have a pretty good offense this year. Defensively, I think Jeff Sims going to run for 300 yards in their spring game, they got to be concerned for that side of the ball, but <laughs> definitely they're going to be a lot better on offense. Jeff Sims is back for his third year. You know, I'm, I, I, I think highly of him. I think he's got a lot of talent. Uh, he just hasn't had, you know, the, the offense really tailor made to him, but I think chip long understands. I, I saw them rolling him out, giving him that, uh, you know, kind of that fullback or that tight end, uh, out in the flat, give them that easy throw. Like Chip understands, and we talked about it with DJ Yugo, uh, whatever his name is. Uh, we we talked about it with him. I think Chip um, Long understands how to play the quarterback strengths, and I think you'll see it uh, with him be a lot better. And um, you know, I just you know, I think they'll be. You know, most people are predicting three wins. I think they could get up to like five or six and surprise a couple people if with that offense. The defense is just not very good, so that's what's gonna. They're going to be in a lot of 45, 40 tight games this year. Yeah, I could, I could, I could see that. That might, that might actually work out to their advantage, to be honest with you. I think at times they might have played a little too slow last year and that put them in close games and late game situations that didn't work out as well. Um, I, I saw North Carolina's game and I can tell you, I mean, there aren't many better teams that look, that look like, that, that look that good coming off the bus, man. And yeah. it's been that way for a long time with Carolina. The linemen look so good, offensive, defensive. They've got, you know, they've got big. Well, they, they landed the like a. I think they landed a five-star O line and D lineman last year. Now I didn't get to see the game. I did get. I think his name's Dylan Drake, or I, I don't yeah. know what the quarterback's name is. I got to see him at a camp a couple years ago, and I'm like, the kid was committed to Alabama at the time. I mean, he was impressive. A big arm, strong arm. He looked like an NFL kid. I don't know what he looked like. You could comment more. But he was a – I'm like, man, they're not going to have much of a drop-off from Sam Howell to this kid. So, I don't I don't know what he looked like in the game. But talent-wise, um, I'm very interested. Uh, Drake, to go. You're talking about Drake May. Um, yeah, Drake May. That's it. Yeah, and um, he's – yeah, he looked, he looked decent. He looked okay. You know, he's uh, – you can see the talent there. You can see the arm talent. Uh, you know they're kind of uh, you. They uh, they're, they're North Carolina is really good in the secondary. I think they made their they gave the receivers a hard time. So that was and, you know and you could tell that 
things are moving fast for him. You know, and that's expected. He's a young kid just going through, you know, his first real springs. And it's like, so things are definitely moving fast. But I think it's a, it's a kid that's going to get a lot better. He's going to get yeah. a lot better as he works, works through things, works through things over the summer. They kind of do more of their seven-on-seven and skeleton stuff, and he gets some more chemistry with his uh, wide receivers. I was really impressed with the back seven, really impressed with the defense overall. You know, my, my issue with North Carolina has been the same thing that we've talked about for months on end, is that they're just not built with the sort of attitude and edge you want from a team that you think is going to compete in the top ten. They're just not built like that. And I don't know why. Like I can't, I can't explain or I can't get an answer for if I like why you guys just don't seem why does this team just not seem as aggressive as they could be? Why don't they seem ferocious? Like these guys are these guys look like dogs. They look amazing, but you just don't see it from from play to play. You don't see the intensity. I'm just, I'm just curious. So, and it's not, it's not a background thing. It's been that way for how long? Like no, North I mean, Carolina had some crazy talented teams in the late '90s, and FSU used to just walk all over them. Listen, because, we've talked about it for a long. North Carolina has been this so, supposed sleeping giant, um, but they, you know, they kind of like, they're kind of like Texas, um, one of these teams that you always hear about and. They're supposed to do this. They're supposed to do that. And what's crazy is um, there's a kid that I know Florida State's recruiting, Dalen Smothers, is running back, that they have a really good shot. He's from North Carolina. The state produces a lot of talent, um, you know, and and they get a lot of big-time kids out of that area, uh, and they do a very good job. But it just, like you said, they when whenever they ha- are in a big game, they come up small. I, I can't remember North Carolina ever winning – a game, a big game that they were supposed to uh, in the history of me watching them. I mean, at least, you know, when, you know, Phillip Rivers was at NC State, they beat Notre Dame, they beat Florida State. Like, teams that don't have the cachet that North Carolina have, have a lot bigger wins and bigger wins in their program. And it's just, it's crazy because they have the money, they have Nike behind them, they have the facilities they have everything, and there's just we've talked about it. It just it's it's kind of disappointing because they do have all this stuff, and you see the potential. They really have the tools to be like almost like a, a SEC team or a Big Ten team. They have all the all the yeah. things. I mean, they have more resources really than Clemson, and Clemson's won national titles in the ACC. Well, North Carolina's kind of always underachieved as a program. They did bring Chiswick back. You know, they're that's yeah. I think, you know, he's you know, he's long in the tooth, but he is he is a very good coach. Um, yeah. his defenses have always been good where they they've been, but you gotta wonder like how long this thing's gonna last. Like North Carolina should not be a seven and five type program. They should be nine and three competing for ACC titles, at least competing for coastal championships. You look, Pittsburgh's won a coastal. Um, I think I think some of the other, I think Duke's won a coastal championship. Yeah, Duke's won a coastal like, darn, I, when was, like, has North Carolina even been in the ACC championship game? You know, it's just, uh, it's I crazy. I guess weren't they in it, like, a couple of years ago against North to North Carolina or lost to, I think they were in a couple of years ago. I think they've been in it once, I think. I don't even, I, I think care. you're just thinking it. I don't well, know no, I mean, the year that, two years ago, well, two years ago they went to the uh, Orange Bowl. They lost to A&M. Was that the year that they? Went to the uh, title game and lost to Clemson. Maybe they may have. I don't. I don't, yeah, I don't remember. Here, let me. How about this? I think North Carolina State recruits at maybe a level below North Carolina, but yeah. I think they recruit kids that are much more intense and ready to play. It's like so to me. It's like if you could put those NC in North Carolina players in NC State uniforms under Dave Doreen and that staff. I think they'd be a national title contender. They could be. I mean, they just, like I said, it's, they've had the talent. I mean, they had one of the better quarterbacks in the ACC the last three years. And I think they were slightly above 500 for those three years. I mean, That's, they gave like 900 yards of offense against Miami two years ago. Yeah. I mean, like they had three running or two running backs. Go, they went for like 
600 yards rushing. It's not like this team doesn't, you know, they had two guys that are playing in the NFL that are, that both were productive last year in the NFL. Like they, they've had talent. Yeah, um, I mean, studs, studs, yeah, players I mean, that like you win championships with. I, yep. I really, they're, they're the most confusing team to me ever. Yep. Uh, the game that both you and I saw that we just had done watching was a uh, Florida State. Uh, you hear a lot about Florida State over the spring because we live we live in the state of Florida, so we hear a bunch about them. And uh, Florida doesn't play until th- Thursday, and mine doesn't play until Saturday. So we're, we're going to talk about them next week. But uh, Florida State played today. First, I'm going to say the things that I liked. The first thing was Trey Vincent, and we, you know, I've been, I was like, why do you take this? Why do you keep taking these kids with busted knees? But I, I texted you right away, like, this kid looks like a kid that Embo would have recruited at Florida State. Like, they don't have a lot of kids that I could sit there and say that, well, Jimbo would have recruited that. Jimbo would have recruited that kid. Listen. And Mario recruited that kid. So, listen, listen we, we could be critical of the staff and what they've recruited and this and that. When I saw the kid make the first carry, I'm like, all right, I, I, I saw enough after one carry. Like, he had things that Toa Philly doesn't have. He has things that <laughs> Trey Sean – like, he just looked big, fast, and he gl- he kind of glided with his running style. Now, the one thing is, Corey, I'm going to be interested in. He's a very good 10 to 20-yard back. I'm curious to see, does he st- – because a lot of guys that are big, they do this for some reason. They decelerate as they get further down the field. They can't carry, you know, they'll burst, but they don't carry that speed 40, 50, 60 yards down the field. Now, if he could do that, this is an NFL back. Like he's a t- like he looked like someone that could go in the top three rounds of the draft, like next year. Like this kid's a, a redshirt sophomore, I believe. He's in his third year of college and he's already torn his ACL. If he goes to Florida State this year and gets a thousand yards, I don't think he's there past this year. Like this kid looked like an NFL running back. Nobody else on that team's a running back that's playing on Sundays. This kid looked like an NFL running back. And I and listen, I, I you know, I tech I, I was critical of them because they didn't sign a running back in their recruiting class this year. And honestly, if this is a substitute, they hit a home run. I mean, this yeah. this kid's Jermaine Johnson on the other side. I think he's the best. I was like, all right, you've already seen him carry it like five times for 50 yards. Like, pull him out so he doesn't blow his <laughs> knee out He's like the best uh, offensive player on their team, period. Uh, it's not close. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's no argument. I'm just telling you right now, he is the only kid that if NFL teams came in there right now, they're going to go, that's the kid I want. I mean, he looks like we talked about it. He looks apart. He looks like an NFL running back. He was big. I mean, he almost looked like he had almost like Adrian Peterson's body. You know, he was big, long, long arms, very muscular. He didn't look small and he had burst. And um, I'm telling you, I would not, I would not put a whole lot of carries on him even in the fall. Like just hold that kid out and make sure he gets through the whole season because he's the difference. He's, he's the difference between them being a, a, just average on offense to being a productive offense. And one thing is, and we've talked about this and I've talked about a lot of people, one thing Norvell's proven and he proved it at Memphis and he's proving it at Florida state. He finds ways to have an effective running game. And, and what that does is even though his passing game, isn't that good. If you could run the ball control and, and, you know, people laugh at time of possession now, but you can limit the other team possessions and you could keep the game close and get to the fourth quarter, you give yourself a chance to win those 50-50 games. If you could just get to the fourth quarter, he did it last year. He just needs enough of those, and that's why he does what he does, is because they, they're not going to light a scoreboard up with their offense. It's just their passing game today, it was once again, I wasn't impressed with it. I, I still think they need to get a quarterback, um, but – Benson's going to be a big part. We'll talk about the quarterback situation and everything in a couple minutes, but Benson's going to be a big part. I, I don't like to put big numbers, but this kid could crack a thousand yards next year, uh, this upcoming season for Florida state and get eight to 10 touchdowns. Yeah. And I mean, I, I mean, I'm going to, I do not want to see like a, a, like a, uh, like a fall depth chart and see him behind Trayshawn Ward and, 
Lawrence Toll feel it because that just because nah, I mean, you know, that'd be criminal. Yeah, that, that ain't gonna happen because he's nah. he, he's uh, the quarterback situation. And here's the thing: they're sold on Jordan Travis as the starter. We can agree or disagree on that. I don't think either one of us really think he's, you know, like he's that. Like he should be have have a free reign at start. Like he's at that. Like he's that good or anything. But that's who they want, and that's fine. Their question, I think, had been: Do they need to bring in another quarterback because you know because Jordan Travis has an injury history, and uh, you might need to have another guy in there. And there's they, there's nothing I saw today that made me think that Tate Rodemaker can handle a backup role, a, a, like a like just playing backup. I got one question for you. Have you ever seen a quarterback whose first throw is always a pick? Like, dude, every time <laughs> this kid throws a ball in a scrimmage and a game, like, can he, can he just throw an incompletion? Can he like throw it out of bounds? Like hit the yard guy. I mean, like every time I see this guy <laughs> release his first pass, it's going the other way. I'm like, there's no way. That I just, you, I, 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 I mean, I just, like I don't even think that's possible. It's like probability of being able to do that is pretty difficult. Like every time he throws his first pass, I'm like, I'm watching it, and his first pass is a pick. I'm like, what a shock. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I just, I don't. I think I just don't think he's good at the end of the day. Uh, I mean, I think he went like five of 11 or five of 11 for something for like 50 yards or something. And remember, I think he only had one completion in the first half. I think all the completions came in the second half when they were mostly running third teamers, walk ons, you know, uh, you know, they were, they were emptying off the benches when, you know, he put up some yards, you know, when he was throwing. Dump passes to CJ Campbell and stuff. Yeah. I'll bring oh. up a I'll bring up a crazy story real quick. You know, I, I remember when you know Florida State came down here for their bowl practices. They were playing Michigan in the Orange Bowl. And I went out to one of their practices, and here was JJ Constantino. You know, I mean JJ looked like an NFL quarterback, 6'5, 240. And they the first thing Jimbo did with him is they went out and they had just, you know wide receivers dbs and the kid's hitting everybody and i'm like you know he's like five for five hits every receiver in stride and you're like all right why isn't this kid better and then all of a sudden they bring the o-line and d-line in and dude this kid couldn't hit he couldn't hit dirt if he threw into it like he just he was terrible (laughs) and i wonder if tate's that guy that in practice when they're doing their skellies and they're doing their drills that the kid just looks good and you think, all right, if we could just develop this kid and there's just some kids when the bullets fly, they're just not as good. And I think he's one of these guys. He's just, he's not a good player. He just isn't. We've seen enough quarterbacks. Um, you know, he just, he can't play at Florida state and and they're going to have to, you know, I saw some things from AJ today, but AJ looked like a freshman quarterback. Looked out like there. a freshman. Like looked very jumpy. He looked jumpy. Like he looked like everything was, an was overthrow. It just seemed like everything was going faster in his head. Yeah, than it really was, and he was yeah. like rushing everything, and that's why but we talk about it. That's the same things I see out of Rodemaker, who's been there three years ever. It seems like. Yeah, I mean, and he's every, a coach's son. You he's know, a coach's like, son. Yeah, it's just. There's no way right now that that staff can go in there and be honest with themselves and say that we don't need to, they don't need to find another quarterback out in the portal, that they feel good about A, Travis staying healthy for the whole season, and B, if he doesn't, Rodemaker coming in and playing significant time. I just, if Rodemaker has to play, they're going to win three, four games. There's nobody that could convince me that if that kid has to step in, for a whole season because Jordan Travis goes down with an injury that they're winning many ball games. I, I don't think yeah. they'll be favored in 90% of their games. If that kid starts, he's just not, I don't, you can't just hand the ball off and go, all right, we're going to hand it off and punt the ball and just give up the whole pass. He's not a good quarterback. Yeah. I mean, cause they're, you know, he's going to be facing nine and 10 man fronts every week. Cause it's like, well, we're not, we are not scared of this guy throwing a football. Yeah. At least um, with Jordan, you can, you know that even though he's not a great passer, 
He's, he's, he's got different ways to, 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 he, to make things Exactly. Happen. He could beat you with his legs. He's functional doing certain things. But, I mean, there, I don't really know what they could call for Tate to really – if you said, all right, what are Tate's strengths? It's not like he's a super athletic quarterback. He's oh, really no. a pocket passer. And passing the ball is not his strength. And this kid's a strength, pocket. I think his strength is skeleton throws in practice. Dude, he's honestly he's good for the DBs because he throws to them a lot. Honestly, like like hey man, go over there, Tate, with the DBs and work on their hands because they all need help. All right, yeah. just keep throwing it like um, you do. Um, and without and there wasn't much throwing. I mean, Travis was seven of 13, 71 yards. So you didn't get to see a lot of this new crop of receivers they brought in. I saw Johnny Wilson out there. He got some overthrows. He dropped Michael a couple Pittman, passes. Drop the pass. Yeah. Micah Pittman looks like he actually might be a decent fit for the offense. He looked good on the little the little inside handoff they gave him. And I'm like, okay, I could see them figuring out different ways to use Pittman because he's got a little bit because you know he's his game is a little bit more based around the perimeter. Listen, so if, they, you, if if you see what he did at Oregon, he's he's gonna probably catch a lot of passes, yeah, but not for a, a lot of yards. He's not a deep yeah. threat. He's not going to be – he's Everything not going to – he's going to do is going to be at the line of spring. Yeah, he's not going to average 18 yards a catch. You know, yeah, like he's he's a, he's a 10, 11-yard catch guy. He's he's a small possession receiver. He's an undersized yeah, and, possession receiver. And to be honest, he's a guy that I would use in the backfield more. Yeah, he looks like, like a running back. He's yeah, I think like he's one. more of a backfield huh. – he's more of a backfield slash receiver guy than he is a yeah. natural wide receiver. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think would, you could kind of – I think you could kind of have a split backfield with him and Toa Philly, and you're in a passing situation. You could kind of get them the ball kind of out in the flats or yeah. a wheel route, and I think both of them would be effective in that. Um, it's just he's limited physically, what he is. He's, he's just um, kind of just a little better version of – what they already have at the slot position with yeah, like a bigger Keyshawn help. Yeah, that's what he is. Bigger, bigger Jakai Douglas. And those yeah. guys aren't, you know, I didn't I didn't see anything in particular that made me think that the new receivers they brought. I mean, as we said, their best receivers before they made, you know, after the last season ended, you know, that were coming back were gonna be Ontario Wilson and uh, Keyshawn Elton, and their best receivers now are Ontario Wilson. And yeah. They just Elton. don't have a guy that can stretch the field, like that no. guy that could take the. I, maybe Jakai has some of that ability, but he's not. I don't. I, I almost feel like he's not in their plans or something. Because I didn't see him. I don't know if Jakai even played today. I don't remember seeing him out there. I saw his jersey. I don't know how much he played. I did see he was out there. I don't know if he played a lot or played at all. Um, I saw Portier had a nice catch. Yeah, he had a real nice catch on the sideline. One of the passes that Tate tried to throw out of bounds, and you know, <laughs> and Portier actually got his feet down and made a circus like that. <laughs> like I was happy. Like on the first play, the first thing it was two point conversions. The Roderick comes out and throws a pick to Sam McCall, which made me excited because. Sam's my dude. dude like, Sam, good. listen, I ain't gonna lie. Like, look good. Look Sam good. looked good. Sam yeah. looked like. Look like look like a player in the gym order recruit. He looks. <laughs> it's amazing the ones that are good stand like they don't look. Di- they look different. They you look know? Like, different. This one friend of mine that we're friends with, I, I I'll bring it up, but he you know he sent me a picture. He's like, oh, he sent me a picture of Love, and he's like, oh, look at his arms. You say they're you know. I'm like, listen, man, let's stop talking about the guys they bring in from every other program. I mean, you you want to talk? Lawrence Toafili looks like he's never hit a weight room before, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Which is weird because he came from a program. Oh, like Ellis Park. Park, they live in the yeah, weight room. Yeah, like we know Kenny Crawford. Like yeah. they live in that little rusty weight room they yeah, have. There ain't like, many weights, but they lift them. Yeah, and he's Samoan too. So the brother should be bigger. You know, he should be bigger by nature. Yeah. I don't get it. I don't get it. Anyway, we're going cl- to close because uh, we're already already hitting about the 45-minute mark. But I want to close with some comments from Davo Sweeney. Um, and I want to get your thoughts on them. We're going to talk about um, his suggestion with the, that there needs to be a complete blow-up in college football. And I'm going to uh, paraphrase some of these quotes. I think there's going to be a complete blow-up, especially in football, and there needs to be. Right now, you've got everybody in one group, and it's not feasible. Alabama has different problems than Middle Tennessee, but we're trying to make them all the same. It's just not. I think you'll have 40 or 50 teams and a commissioner, and here are the rules. Uh, Communication is not good. The rules are outdated. 
it's not apples to apples. Um, there have been a lot of positives when it comes to the scholarships, but, you know, there's other things that he's not happy about. Uh, you know, he goes a little bit more to the NIL. We know how he feels about that. Um, you know, but he basically, there's no rules with that, no guidance, no nothing. It's out of control. It's not sustainable. It's an absolute mess and a train wreck, and the kids are going to be the ones who suffer in the end. There are going to be a lot of kids with no degrees that make decisions based on the wrong things. When asked about the transfer portal, he says, my transfer portal is right there in that locker room. Because if I'm constantly going out every year and adding guys from the portal, I'm telling all the guys in the locker room that I don't believe in them, that I don't think they can play. We're not, also not doing our jobs as coaches and recruiters if we're bringing in a bunch of transfers, which I think you and I, have we, I'd applaud him for that line alone because that's absolutely how I feel. Mm-hmm. But starting from the top, um, basically he's saying that, you know, these power five schools are going to break out. Now, when I did the numbers, and we'll take going into the 2023 season when the Big 12 expansion happens, and, the, and I would assume Oklahoma and Texas might be allowed to go into the SEC early. That's only 69 Power 5 schools if you include Notre Dame. Um, I would assume most of them (laughs) will end up on, you know, will will probably want to end up as part of this league if it happens. And my guess is where Dabo is coming from and what you and I have saw is even at the Power 5 level, the money distribution is so distorted. It's really like, there's power five schools, and then among them, there is a high-level power two, and the Big Twelve, Big Ten, and the SEC. And for this thing to work, it's like the power five, they almost have to be on equal ground, which they aren't even on equal ground. Forget the uh, group of five schools. The power five schools aren't really even on equal ground. Yep. So, I mean, what do you think overall of those comments? And where I've, I've talked about this. I said that at some point there's going to be a course correction in all of this. You know, it seems like it's out of control and certain fan bases feel like they're not going to ever be able to win or compete with the Alabamas. But I think you'll agree with this. The people that are way smarter than me, all right, and that's a lot of people, all right, that look at a Florida State versus Miami matchup on TV. All right. The ratings are higher than most SEC games or when USC is at the top of their, um, you know, the USC Texas game probably drew as many or more than the, the national championship games that we've had recently. ESPN and these companies understand that when they're that those schools have a lot of value and they're being left out right now. And I don't think that's going to stay that way because they make money. If you make money, the people that run those corporations are going to understand. And I think one of the first things that needs to happen in college football, and it happened in pro football, is you got to have more than one network bidding on these conferences. Or yeah, absolutely. That, that's the first thing, because you got to force them to kind of bid against each other. So, you, you know, the, that's how football is going to work. It works in the NFL. You have ESPN, you have NBC, you have C. They all... Bit against and the each NFL other. is even smarter because they, when they had they they looked at the situation, so they have an NFC package, an AFC package. You know that's two packages. Well, okay, we need a Sunday night package. Now that's a different package. Yeah. We need they a have Monday that, night package. They have NFL we have Network. A Thursday night package. Yeah. Now that that's going on Amazon Prime. Yep. They're using the streaming networks now. So yep. you know, and I agree, and I think that's the one area that that's the one. The only leverage that the not that the other conf, the other three Power Five conferences had, and why we're not seeing playoff expansion, is because they don't want it to all go to ESPN. Exactly. They, because they know they're not going to get any more money out. Yeah. So they're, they're going to have to separate it, like we're talking about. They're going to have to bid against each other, put more money in the pie, and you got it. Listen, I talked about this before. You cannot have teams and 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 i don't care if it's vanderbilt and and arkansas and the teams that are at the bottom of the sec getting 60 million a year and you're getting 20 million and there's a 40 million dollar gap now it may not seem bad for one year but 
when you're talking 10 years of that and they're getting 600 million and you're getting 200 million, that 400 million gap, that's, that's huge. Uh, it, it's huge. And it allows yeah. them, it, it's like the Yankees in baseball, they could buy their way out of bad contracts or bad coaches or bad, like if these teams are now giving these coaches 10 year contracts, well, if that coach, if they're making the type of money they're making through these TV deals, even if they're in the year five, they could buy out five years and go, hey, it's not that big of a deal. We got the money. We got way more money. And they're going to just keep buying and buying and buying their way out until they get the right coach that wins. So that's that's what the Yankees do in baseball. And, and you know, the reason why football works is there's a salary cap and it, they have the salary cap in basketball. But the one thing is, like we've talked about, like, the difference between the Yankees and the and the Devil Rays, and, and you you follow the Devil Rays, is the Yankees basically, if they have a $40 million guy that's not working out, they could cut him or get rid of him where the Devil Rays have to swallow that contract and deal with that guy and hopefully he gets out of his funk because that's just that's the difference about the haves and have-nots in baseball, and it's becoming that way in college football. And I see what Dabo's saying, but Dabo also gets $10 million a year. You know, that – not a lot of teams could pay their coaches $10 million. Absolutely, yeah. So it works. Yeah. There needs to be one. I think there needs to be. Hey, notice he doesn't need to be a blow up in the coaches' salaries. No, but they, know, they, they do. They probably need a, million dollars a year They now. probably need a cap in coaching salaries and a cap in assistant coaches' salaries. And I know my buddies won't like that. But if, if you're going to have an evil play, even playing field, all right, and you want this, you know, the Cincinnati's are now going to. Um, a big 12 conference they're in a big city now that's an advantage but you want them to be competitive also and and improve their brand you got to give them a level playing field where they feel like they have a chance yeah you know? absolutely you because know? and we see it so much like people talk about the head coaching carousel their heads would spin if they saw the assistant coaching carousel where you've got you got guys that you know. You got guys that are basically making lateral moves and tripling their salaries in the process because they're going from they're going from say we'll just say they're going from I don't know um, Virginia to Mississippi State yeah. doing the same thing, being the same coach, going from making four hundred thousand dollars a year to nine hundred fifty thousand dollars a year yeah. because one school just has so much more money now. Um, now, you know, uh, the other area of that, and, you know, continuing on, like Brian Kelly just came out and he talked about going to LSU and he said the things that we had talked, he basically said he could not have accomplished anything more than he accomplished at Notre Dame. The resources to win a national title in football just aren't what they are at LSU. And that's Notre Dame. Like literally he's saying Notre Dame. The blue bloodiest of blue bloods in college football doesn't have the resources to win a national title like LSU does. That's damning. Like there, I saw this list the other day that this guy put out, and he he put Brian Kelly in like you know top ten most overrated because he never won it. Oh, like what's amazing what? is like all right, first off, trying to win at Notre Dame, we've talked about it. Like he played Alabama in the championship game twice and looked across the field and said, all right, I have no chance. There's, I could have Bill Walsh as my offensive coordinator. I could have Bill Belichick as my DC. I could go get the, the best coaches at every, like there's not enough coaching to make up the difference between what I'm going against at Alabama. Like there's, this isn't the NFL, like where the teams, a quarterback can make a difference. Like, you're playing at an uneven playing field and he got tired of it. We talked about it. He got tired of having to compete and the expectations of trying to compete at that level, knowing that he had no shot in heck of ever winning a national title in Notre Dame. First off, Notre Dame doesn't allow the same kids into their school that those schools allow like academically um, there's certain kids they won't allow in there. This isn't like when Lou Holtz was there, and they allowed, I mean, they, they flipped, were prop 40 there was prop 48 and they last like Marshall. Yeah. Like, Lou Holtz was there. like And Lou Holtz basically, and, and that was the last time they won a national title when he basically got the rules changed was Lou Holtz. 
You yeah. know, they got the Jerome Bettises. They got the um, the one defense, uh, the Chris Zordiches. They don't get those guys anymore because those guys are going to schools uh, in the South. Yeah, Tony, Rice, Tony Rice was a prop 48 kid. Yeah. Think. And uh, they, that, they wouldn't have them now, you know? Yeah, and I mean, that was the thing. When Lou Holtz left and they brought up Bob David, they're like, oh, okay. Yeah, those days Y'all are can't over. do none of that no more. Yeah, this <laughs> poor, this poor high school coach from Moeller High School or whatever was getting yeah. his butt kicked in by freaking Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, oh, oh, that was uh, – the old guy, what was his name? I forgot his name. Jerry Foster. Or, Jerry Foster. Yeah. He came after Air Parts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oops! Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. So they basically when they brought a Lou Holtz. Lou was like, "Why? I gotta go down that route. You gotta give me a prop forty-eight. These some kids." He's like, "Listen, did- man, I gotta get some dudes, man. I, yeah. I with I, as small as I am, I can't convince these. I need some <laughs> exactly. dudes, man. Like, yeah, if I'm gonna beat Jimmy oh Johnson, God. we're gonna need some dudes, you know. So yeah. I need All Ricky right. Waters. Yeah, second half of that." was his comments about the transfer portal. Now, I believe that, you know, the big, the schools, the Clemsons, the Georgias, the Bamas, they, they use the portal sparingly. They do use, like, Clemson and Georgia use, I'm not, not Clemson, Alabama and Georgia use it. They don't use it a ton, but they do use it. Uh, and they, they usually get, they usually fill a major hole. Like they right. got a major hole at linebacker. They're going to get, like, the Henry 12-12 kid from Tennessee. At Clemson, I think, excuse me, I think this year they said they were going to go out and find an offensive lineman in May because they've got a major hole that they weren't able to fill with recruiting. You saw but it today. Gen- you saw it today, you know? Yeah, but in general, I agree with Dabo. I think if you're if you're spending all this time going through the portal, you ain't that good a recruiter. You no. can't recruit that well. Now the portal is basically a quick like a quick yeah, it's like caffeine, man. You know, you could drink that jolt or that energy drink, but once that thing wears off, <laughs> there's residuals to that, uh, you know, drinking that stuff. You're going to have a letdown. And, and I think that just, you know, the more the, the more that you go into that portal, the, the less likely I think you're going to be successful. I, I just do. I, I know people are going to say, oh, this is a new way of recruiting and this and that. I get it if you have a war. You have one. Listen, Florida State went out and got four receivers this year, and the best one got hurt. And we don't even know if the other three are going to do much. I mean, the Spawn kid today, he was. He, he, I think I had one. I thought Mark going to feel one time. Maybe uh, he he's one not going to do anything. So, like, you're wasting scholarships when you should be developing the guys that are already on your roster. And I understand. Listen, I agree with Dab on that. I, I just, but I th- also think the portal in a couple years will settle down because you're going to have a lot of kids that are going to start going, wait a second, I'm going in there. I'm not finding really a better situation. Um, maybe they, maybe they drop down a one double a or D two, but the situation isn't going to be better for every single kid. Like the kids going to Alabama, like they got the Jamison Williams kid. That kid was just one of like five, six, five stars that Ohio state played. They couldn't get him on the field and Alabama got fortunate that he panned out, but, that kid was an elite kid. Not every kid that's going into that portal is an elite kid. Like I spoke to one coach that was at an SEC school and he goes, fish, the kid we're getting rid of, he he can't play. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? He goes, he just can't play. I go, well, he can't play in the SEC or he can't, no, he can't play. play. He can't play football at a division one school. We just, they missed the evaluation on him. And I think that's, that's the scary part is you're going to have a lot of kids that are going to be out of football or just wandering around. Like what happens to them? Because they don't have a degree now. They don't have two more years to showcase their talents. And yeah. basically they're, it's, it's like they're undrafted free agents that got a cup of coffee in the NFL and their careers are over. And now they don't have a degree and where do they go from there? You know, that's, that's the scary part of the whole portal. Yeah, uh, and that's the thing. And I mean, I think they're, I think we're coming to a time. There's definitely, I think we're going to see portal regulation before we see NIL regulation because the NIL is a little bit more complicated because a lot of it came from a Supreme Court decision. And you've got to, you know, before you can make changes, you've got to go through a lot of legal channels to, 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 you know, to, to figure that part out. Um, 
we've already done an hour. We said we're gonna do thirty minutes. We've done an hour because that's how that's how that's how really spring football is the last taste we get for a while. Um, we are gonna get some go, coaches on though soon. I mean, yeah, we're we have a lot of coaches work. on soon. That's gonna be super exciting. Uh, before we go, I hate to end it on a sad yeah. note. Uh, sad news today down by your way down in South Florida. Uh, Dwayne Haskins, a kid we both saw during the recruiting process. He's out of the Beltway area, played at Ohio State, uh, was struck by a car this morning while he was out jogging on uh, highways. He's down, He was down in South Florida. He was jogging on the highway? I thought he got I, out of a car that broke down or something. I don't know what – they said he was jogging. They said he was walking on the highway. I guess he was struck. I don't know what happened. I mean, there's – I'm going to – the story will come out, but you know, a lot of players come down to South Florida during the offseason to work out together. He was down with the group that uh, Mitch Trubisky walked down. Unfortunately, he was struck by a car, passed away at the age of 24. The people I know that are involved with Ohio State football and the boosters, they're just crushed because he was really well liked, you know, really thought of just as a nice, sweet kid who always smiling, always happy. You know, he hadn't really found his footing in the NFL yet, but the NFL's a hard meet, and sometimes it doesn't work, but in terms of him as a person, was highly regarded as a person, it's a it's a major loss at 24. Mm-hmm. It's just way, way, way too young. And, uh, way too young. And, uh, you know, it just was a... I remember just being a very exciting player at Ohio State. He set the school record with uh, 50 touchdowns in a season. And he, he was a, I mean, he was a highly dr- recruited quarterback. Right, I know. He was a five-star quarterback. He's yeah. from Maryland, I believe. Yeah, but yeah, he's, yeah. He, uh, he was out of, he was out of Maryland or D.C., somewhere out in the, in the Beltway there where some pretty good quarterbacks have come. So, you know, rest in peace, uh, Dwayne Haskins. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, it's an unfortunate day when you lose a member of that football fraternity at such a young age with, you know, so much life ahead of him, whether he was, on the field or not, just you, know, you think about kids and the opportunities they have to develop in life to become fathers, to, you know, family men, to, you know, find their way in, in professionally in, in whatever they do. So, you know, it's just a sad thing. Yeah, with that being said, we're uh, in the fish cast today, and, and we thank everybody for listening. Uh, we're going to be back. We got some coaches coming up. We're going to be back on another spring update. Well, you know, Florida plays next week. Miami plays. I think USC is on the docket. We'll probably – I'm going to take a look at the Ohio State game. We can talk a little bit more about that because they're going to be monsters. You know, Alabama comes up. Like, all the all the, big, all the big guns are playing their spring game soon. And, we, you know, we ain't going to be talking about, you know, having to go to transfer portal or find kids. We're going to be like, hey, if that kid goes to the transfer portal, someone needs to take him. So – it's going to be a totally different story. Yep. Well, uh, hey, you got to tell everybody where they can, you know, reach out to course, us. Of course, absolutely. Uh, we got to go to the, uh, got to go to our Twitter at the Fish Podcast. That's where we are. And uh, of course, uh, we got to give a shout out to our producer Justin Otto up there in Chicago. Uh, probably, is he a White Sox fan or a Cubs fan? Uh, who knows, man? He's he he. he he's I a, think he's, he's one a of those Grand that, Theft Auto. He fan. just he he just Grand Theft Auto. Oh man, he he lives on Grand Theft Auto, you know. Yeah. Well, you got you got the White Sox hat on. Is his Andrew a big White Sox fan? No, nah, that's right. we're the White Sox. My son's team's the White Sox. Oh, your he, son's team's the White Sox. Okay. All you know right. what? So, yeah. Uh, one, one yeah. One last thing, you know, talking about that, we'll get off the subject real quick. But it's funny we were talking about it. But he he you know he he picked the White Sox because Jordan was on the White Sox, and yeah. he, just like Jordan, he re, he he creates these enemies from the other teams <laughs> to hate <laughs> so he can win these ball games and he did it today but it just didn't work out so hopefully it works on on monday that he, somebody on the other it'll, team it'll that, definitely work out next time yeah, so, always but, you know yeah, now nah, that's a, just my white we're the white Sox team i have no idea what team justin likes i mean i think he likes whoever wins i think he's yeah. a front runner angie what's your wife angela i mean she's a little bit of a fan oh, she she's like, a cup she's a cubs fan oh yeah i'm, I'm a lifelong yeah, you know that man she ain't going to the south side of chicago to yeah. watch a baseball game right? <laughs> there's, a, there's no chance of that happening yeah, I don't think she Angela thinks Napier. Will... She thinks Naperville's actually in Chicago. <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah, her, her Chicago experience is like Naperville Joliet, sort of. Okay, yeah. I get it. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like Elk, it was like Elk Grove. It's like it's not really like Grove. Well, man, another great show, and I appreciate it, Corey. I know it's on a Saturday night. We're not usually jumping on, but uh, I look forward to you know talking to some of these college coaches, and you know, and I think another good show, and I think people will like it, man. So Absolutely. I'm out, man. I'm out. I'm out man. too, brother. You take care. You have a great rest of the weekend. You take it easy. Eric Estep here. This episode is brought to you by Forney Industries. Get it done with green. Forney offers a full line of welding and plasma cutting machines, metalworking accessories, and more. For do-it-yourselfers all the way to professional metalworkers, Forney has everything you need for your next project. Shop Forney's top-of-the-line products at forneyind.com. That's Forney, F-O-R-N-E-Y, ind, I-N-D.com, or at an authorized Forney dealer near you.